You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. I'm Earl Green, and this is your Sci-Fi 5, five minutes of science fiction history for July 22nd. In the middle of the summer of 1955, in what was once Orange Groves in Anaheim, California, Walt Disney premiered a new type of immersive, interactive theme park called Disneyland. The anticipation and excitement was already built in for viewers who were primed with the weekly Disneyland TV series on ABC. They were introduced to Walt's vision of a park divided into distinct lands that were focused on essentially different narrative genres. There was fantasy, frontier, adventure, and the -the turn-of-the-century throwback called Main Street USA. There was also a science fiction element called Tomorrowland, but as the park opening approached, Walt and his Imagineers weren't quite sure what would go there. When Disneyland finally opened on July 17th, the Tomorrowland area was short one of its main attractions. It took another week, July 22nd, 1955, for park guests to finally experience the area's centerpiece attraction, Rocket to the Moon. Why the holdup? There were competing ideas about what would go in Tomorrowland, and construction crews were racing to finish the attractions in the park's other areas. Then in March of that year, Imagineer Ward Kimball's breakthrough episode of Disneyland on TV called Man in Space aired. It was a critical and audience hit, and it fueled the country's passion for a burgeoning space race. By May of 1955, an attraction inspired by the show was under heavy construction with crews trying to make the July 17th opening day deadline. It would be a theatrical experience using Disney's combination of technology and storytelling that would send guests in a rocket from the Earth to the Moon and back again, and it would become an instant classic. It's July 22, 1955, and you've ponied up your $1 for admission to Disneyland and another $2.50 for a ticket book to get you onto eight of the attractions of your choice. In Tomorrowland, there is a gleaming, streamlined red and white rocket some 80 feet tall, even taller than the castle, emblazoned with the TWA logo. That's one element necessary for space travel, corporate sponsorship, and Transworld Airlines is happy to oblige. Inside the gray, domed building to the side of the rocket, there's a pre-show with mission director Tom Morrow before you walk into one of the two showrooms. It's a cinema in the round made to resemble the shape of the rocket outside. You're now a passenger, and there's a screen in the floor and in the ceiling of this rocket that will be your window on the trip to the moon. The screen in the floor shows liftoff and ascending view of where you've been as you depart Disneyland and leave Anaheim and Earth behind. Above, the screen in the ceiling shows where you're headed. That would be the moon. As the moon gets closer, your rocket, named either Luna or Diana, tilts into orbit and the narration continues over the in-room system, giving you lots of facts about space travel and the lunar environment. Then the process reverses for the return trip, the whole trip taking about 15 minutes. As often happens with science fiction visions of the future, reality has a way of catching up. Rocket to the Moon debuted 14 years before Apollo 11's historic flight. A change in corporate sponsorship to Douglas Aircraft, later McDonnell Douglas in 1967, was only the first of a series of changes to the attraction's branding and focus. In the 1970s, Mars became the ride's new destination, 
The whole thing came down, and by 1998, the building's remnants would be transformed into Red Rocket's Pizza Port, and to be fair, there are plenty of references to the old ride around. Even though Rocket to the Moon is just a small slice of Disneyland history today, it did accomplish a few key things. Exciting parkgoers about the promise of space travel, showing a moon landing as a realistic goal, and well before SpaceX, it showed off a rocket's vertical landing, which surely still looks like science fiction to some. This has been 5 Minutes of Science Fiction History, your daily Sci-Fi 5 for July 22nd. Sci-Fi 5 is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.